guess it's my turn today, huh? <clears throat> I'll try to stay within the two minutes that we give each other, right? Um, okay, let me start. You know, um, I wasn't born in a, in a Christian home. Um, I was born in a regular house, just regular home with parents who cared about us, cared about their children, right? So um, they did take us to church when we were kids, and, you know, they would gather up all seven of us on Sunday and throw us in that station wagon and take us, drive us to um, First Baptist Church here in Modesto when it was First Baptist Church. And we would go there to um, the Spanish-speaking uh, pastor in his part of the church, and, you know, we would... We would go into service, and uh, I remember that uh, a lot. Sometimes we would be late, you know, and, and but we would still go. My mom and dad they were would take us. So, as we heard those messages coming from their pastor in Spanish, you know, something touched my heart, and you know, I wanted to get baptized. I accepted the Lord. One day, I went up to the altar, accepted the Lord as my Lord and Savior. You know, and um, and and uh, I got I was later baptized. I think I was around 14 years old back then, and that was about what half a century ago for me. So it was quite a while back. So I don't remember all the details, but I was baptized. I accepted the Lord, and you know, I remember the day that I was baptized. And I know what Casey said. You know that the baptism isn't. Um, what saves you is Jesus Christ that saves you, but the baptism is the um, step of obedience, right? And when I came out of that water, I just felt brand new, you know. Yeah, it was, it was, it was something. But you know, 14 years old, I still going to school, doing all those things, went through life, and you know, went to high school and so on, and. You know, life came, and, you know, I, I met my wife, Lupe. We got married when I was about 19. We had three children, and uh, we were going to church, taking them to church. But, you know, how life is sometimes, and not making any excuses, but I drifted away from the Lord throughout the years, you know, throughout time. And, you know, I was working, and, and we, were, we were doing okay, you know, raising our kids. You know, going to church sometimes, and, and um, so we thought we were doing good, you know, and then, you know, we went, I went many years without really um, going to church. I, I just drifted away and quit going to church after a while, but then about 2004, tragedy hit. And we lost our son. And I'm not saying that God sends tragedy into your life, you know, to get your attention, but he uses that to get your attention. And it got my attention. But it was a few years after that, you know, as, I, as we were going through that, I was asking why. And of course, there's really no answer, you know. 
But sooner or later, I was thinking, man, I need God, you know. So I talked to Lucia about going back to church, that I wanted to go to church. So we did. We went to a few churches, you know, checked them out. And then we went to, uh, we came to this church here. And, um, I mean, everybody was very friendly. And, you know, there was, I mean, it was, seemed like a good church. So we came and returned and returned. And I remember one day, Pastor McIntyre was preaching, and I was sitting someplace in here, and the message that he was giving was kind of directed straight to me. Everything that I was going through and stuff and, and things that were going on in my life, um, which was a very hard time, it just struck me, you know. And, and that day, I, I, I rededicated my life to God. You know, and then not too long after that, I was baptized along with my wife, Lupi. We were both baptized on the same day. And, uh, you know, God's been great. You know, I know we still have things in our life that brings us sadness and grief. But we have that hope, you know, to be with all our loved ones, you know, someday. But, you know, overall, you know, the ho our hope is in Jesus Christ. And I'll tell you, I don't think I'm ever going to leave again. So, um, and I'll close with that. You know, God saves and the water is warm. <laughs> Thank you. Amen. Thank you, Joe. Thank you for that testimony. Um, we all have different testimonies, don't we? But we all have the same Lord. Amen. So beautiful. Uh, this morning, um, good morning. And what a beautiful uh, testimony of baptism this morning for Mary. And uh, so this morning, be, as we begin, I also want to, uh, uh, as I think was mentioned earlier, that Dee Jane uh, passed on um, Friday. So I'd like to pray for the family and also others uh, in our church family that have had family members pass away. Um, Bonnie had a death in the family. Uh, Mary Bonham, her granddaughter, passed away uh, just a couple weeks ago, I believe it was. So let's bow together in prayer for these, for these, shall we? Father God, we thank you for the hope of eternal life that, that Jesus brings. And Lord, we, uh, we, we, we pray right now for, you know, as we, we hold on to our hope in Christ. And we pray for these family members, Lord, that have lost loved ones. Um, pray for Dee Dee's family, Lord, that, that she's gone to be with you. And just pray your Holy Spirit comfort, Lord, uh, uh, Barbara and uh, all, all of the family, Lord, all of Dee Dee's family. Lord, let your Holy Spirit just minister comfort and, and uh, peace upon them and strength. Also, Lord, for Mary and uh, for Bonnie, who have both lost loved ones, Lord, uh, recently. We just pray again, Lord, that your Holy Spirit bring comfort. You are the God of all comfort, the Father of all mercy. Please, Lord, give them your mercy and comfort and peace and strength, Lord, at this time. Through Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen and amen. All right, everyone. Well...
uh, special day today, a baptism day. I want to mention that uh, after after uh, church service, uh, my wife and I are going to be going to uh, Santa Cruz. We're going to celebrate our second anniversary. So, <laughs> so, so she's got it all set up there. She's good at setting things up there. So we're going to hopefully uh, plan to witness something that's been called a miraculous and mysterious thing. You know, every year in Canada, there are 200 million uh, monarch butterflies that migrate from Canada to Mexico, uh, over 2,000 miles. And um, one of their stops, one of their stops on the way is uh, uh, a state park in Santa Cruz. <laughs> so we're hoping to, we're hoping to witness that. Uh, those butterflies. But you know, it takes four generations of all those miles. It takes four generations. And by the way, thank you, Jacob, for the picture you got us there for uh, butterflies. It's very nice. It takes four generations of, of uh, butterflies to make it. So one generation lives so long, and then they uh, uh, mate, and they lay their eggs, and then they, they die. And the next generation of butterflies picks up the baton and keeps on you know, I mean, God just put it in them to keep going until they get this. So on and on, four generations. But uh, the eggs of those butterflies turn into, as you might know, caterpillars. And the caterpillars, then you have this amazing transformation where the caterpillars uh, uh, weave, spin a cocoon of themselves, a silk cocoon, and they go into it, and they go for a long sleep. And then after a while... They come, they hunch out of that cocoon, and they crawl out of it, and uh, 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 an amazing change happens because you come out and burst, what burst forth? Butterflies. Okay, there's a transformation, a change from an old life to a new life. The Apostle Paul is going to write about that. We're going to read about that in just a minute. Now, when we baptized, when Mary just got baptized, that was a symbol when she went down under the water of dying to her old life. And rising up out of the water is a symbol of rising to new life with Jesus Christ. So, old life, new life. Apostle Paul is writing about this contrast, and he's writing to the Christians about, uh, you know, before they were dead, dead to God and living for self. Now, through faith in Christ, they're alive to God in Jesus Christ. So, let's go ahead and read in Ephesians chapter 5. And we're going to look at verses 5 through 15. And that's nice, Mary. You got, your, got to have some family here today. That's wonderful. Okay, Ephesians 5, 5 to 15. And uh, if you can, I'm going to ask you if you're able and willing, if you can stand as we read uh, Ephesians chapter 5. Verses 5 to 15, and here's what it says. It says, be, care, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not get drunk with wine, which leads to debauchery, Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. 
sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. You may be seated. May God's word be blessed. Amen. So the Apostle Paul here, what is he saying? He's saying you have a new life now. Those of you who have accepted Christ, you have a new life. Live in the fullness of that life. And if you have, an, if you have a bulletin, there's an outline on the back. If you'd like to follow that, you may. Uh, but live in the fullness of life. Live in the fullness of life, fully alive, awaken to God, awaken to his goodness, awaken to his light. You know, the scripture right before the one we just read says this. It says, awake, O sinner, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Don't hide in the shadows from the light of his love. Soak it in. Soak in his light. Soak in his love. Live in the light. Live fully, fully. Be fully alive in him. Don't be halfway alive. Jesus doesn't want any half-hearted half relationship, right? What did he say? It was a revelation. I'll spew you out. You know, lukewarm, I'll spew you out of my mouth. He doesn't want a, a, a half-hearted relationship. Be fully alive, experiencing life the way God meant it to be lived. What did Jesus say? I came that you might have life and have it to the full, right? John 10, 10. To be fully alive, to be fully alive, fully awake, fully engaged, fully alive with a heart of wisdom in a relationship with your creator. Fully alive. God wants to teach you. God wants to guide you. God wants to cause you to grow. So how do we do this? How do we live fully alive? Well, to do it, your heart has to be in the right place. And that is this. There are two outlooks that your heart needs to have and our hearts need to have if we're going to live fully alive. We're going to look at that this morning. And the first outlook of your heart is to be fully alive with a heart of wisdom. Of wisdom. What does it say in verse 15? Don't uh, Be careful how you walk, be how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. Be aware of what you're doing in your life. Be aware of, uh, is it pleasing to God? What you're doing, does it please God? Is it glorifying to God? Is it fulfilling your purpose that God has for you? You know, when I was in my early 20s, I uh, had a band, um, and we were trying to make a living. We did for, uh, as, a, as musicians, a struggle, you know, struggling musicians, right? And uh, I was living this lifestyle. My sister was praying for me to get out of this lifestyle of partying and drinking. And um, I had an experience. I had an experience I was convinced came from God, and that was this. I was playing and singing and looking at all the dance floor, peeping, dancing, having fun, and, I, and it seemed, all of a sudden, it seemed like God put the, the film in slow motion in my mind, and, and it looked like everything was going in slow motion, and I remember thinking, God, what am I doing here? What am I contributing to? 
what, what, you know, and God was beginning, you know, partying and drinking, and God was beginning to open my eyes. Uh, you know, I was beginning to see that I wasn't walking a path of wisdom, on the path of wisdom. You know, by, by the way, I talked about my sister praying. Don't ever underestimate the power of prayer to open someone's eyes to God, okay? <laughs> That's what happened to me, I tell you. My sister's prayers is what moved me from, 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 from that type of lifestyle to Christian ministry. God was saying, Larry, listen to me. Pay attention to me. Now, here's the thing. When we, have, when we have our eyes on God, he wants us to be paying attention to him. Look at this, verse 15. It says, be careful how you walk and how you live. It says, how, it says be careful then how you live. Another translation says how you walk. Another one says uh, walk circumspectly. In other words, in other words, have your eyes on God in all that you do. You know, I used to be a substitute teacher. And one of the things the teachers uh, try to get their students to, to do is pay attention. <laughs> right? Yeah. And, and, and what, one of the phrases, you know, that's always a little struggle, isn't it, Rob? My, my wife's a teacher. Uh, you know, one of the phrases teachers use sometimes to get their kids to pay attention is eyes on me. Eyes on me. You know, uh, in other words, uh, we, we, it's not time to be, it's not time to be talking to your neighbor. It's not time to be doodling on your desk. It's not time to be looking out the window. If you want to learn something, you got to be looking and you got to be listening. Okay? And so you got to be paying attention. God wants us to have our eyes on him. Yeah, to be paying attention with our eyes on, we need to have our eyes on Him. To see how He's leading, we need to have our eyes on Him. If we want to be filled with a spirit of wisdom, we need to have our eyes on Him. Now, when I was in that band, when God was opening my eyes, God was telling me, Larry, Larry, eyes on me, eyes on me. See, God wants us to keep our eyes on on him to be fully alive with a heart of wisdom, careful how you walk. Careful how you walk. Walk the path of wisdom. You know, it says this in verse 16. It says, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Isn't it true? There's a lot of evil in the world. There's a lot of wrong choices to make. And a lot of wrong roads to take. Temptation abounds. Temptation abounds. So we have to have a, a heart of wisdom. Keep our eyes on God. You know, it says, make the most of every opportunity. Verse 16. Another translation says it this way. Re, uh, because the days are evil. Another translation says it this way. Redeem the time. Because the days are evil. Now, Redeem the time. In other words, don't waste your time. God has given you a certain amount of time here on this earth. Don't waste the time he's given you. Invest it. Okay? Invest the time God has given you. Invest it in him and invest it wisely. 
Invest the time that, he, that God has given you. The word opportunity there, when it says make the most of every opportunity, is the word kairos in the original Greek. The word kairos means time. It has to do with time being ripe or, or filled with opportunity, like the fullness of, uh, fullness of time, opportune time. Make the most of your time because the days are evil. You know, God has opportunities for you. He has created opportunities for you. You just have to be looking. Cynthia told me this week about how Calvary Baptist Church, about two years ago, you all had the uh, 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 Experiencing God workbook. You worked through that book, right? And, and she was telling me how the main theme of the whole study was to join God in what he's already doing. Right? In other words, see what God is doing so that you can follow him. What did Jesus say? John 5, 19. I can do nothing but what I see the Father doing. Having your eyes on him, looking, looking with a heart of wisdom. God is creating opportunities for you. You just have to be looking. God is creating, you have to be looking at what he's doing. God is creating opportunities for you. You just have to trust his timing and prepare. God is creating opportunities for you to, to, to be alive with a heart of wisdom, fully alive as you walk carefully and as you are awake to God's will, awake to God's will. Verse 17, look at what it says. It says, therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Understand it. Understand it. Grab hold of it. Wrap your mind around it. Get a picture of it. What is God's will? You know, Peter, the apostle Peter said this. He said in 1 Peter 4, our whole purpose in life is to do God's will. Let me read to you this way. He's talking about putting off the old life, putting on the new life, just like it's Paul. He says, he says, we are to live no longer for the lust of men, but for the will of God. And he says, this is why the gospel is preached. He says it this way in verse 6 of 1 Peter 4. He says, live in the spirit that we might live in the spirit according to the will of God. Live in the spirit. According to the will of God. That's what we should strive for, isn't it? To live in the Spirit. What does it mean to live in the Spirit? It means to let the Spirit live in you and let the Spirit lead you. Okay, Romans 8, 11. All who are led by the Spirit of God are called children of God. Letting the Spirit lead you. Awake to God. You know, when you do that, when you're awake and alive to the Spirit of God, when you set your heart to understand the will of God, God will put things in place for you to discover. 2 Kings verse 20, chapter 22. There was a, a, a young king in the southern kingdom of Judah. His name was Josiah. And he was called the, the, the boy king. Why? Because he was eight years old. When his father, when his father was killed, his father was an evil king, Amon. And, um, but Josiah, at a young age, made, set his heart on 
uh, looking to God, obeying God, and trying to understand God's will. Now, his father was, a, was a, um, an evil man. And he took upon himself as the king of Judah the, uh, the gods of the Canaanites. The Canaanites were uh, false worshipers that surrounded Judah and Jerusalem. And, and, and he, he, he made idols uh, based on the pagan gods of the Canaanites. And he put them throughout the land of Judah. And he put them outside of the temple. And he put them not only outside, but inside. So Josiah, when he was 20 years old, the Bible says he purged Jerusalem. And he purged Judah. He had all of these graven images, all of these uh, uh, carved idols and cast images torn down. And in the process of that activity, they made a discovery. They found a scroll. You see, this scroll was the, the book that Moses had written. It had been missing for years. It was the only Bible Judah had. And in the process of, 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 of following God's will, God put it in place for them to make this discovery, the greatest discovery they could have ever made. And God is going to do that for you and you. When you set your heart to look to him, to obey him, to understand his will, he'll make, you'll make those discoveries those, uh, through his, his words and through his spirit, God will prepare discoveries for you to make when you awake to his will. So, to be fully alive, First, we need to have the uh, uh, we need to have that the outlook of being fully alive with a heart of wisdom. Secondly, we need to be fully alive with a heart of praise. Verse nineteen. Verse nineteen. It says, "Speak to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Sing and make sing and make music in your heart to the Lord." Give God praise with a song in your heart. That's what it says, doesn't it? Give him praise. You know, earlier in this book, in chapter 1, Paul says that's what we're purposed to do. Uh, chapter 1, verse 19. We who first hoped in Christ have been destined and appointed to live for the praise of his glory. You see, when, when you praise God, when you praise God, you know, when you praise God with a heart that's, that's, that, that's fully alive, when you're filled with his love, when you make music in your heart to the Lord, then you are fulfilling your purpose to God. Just like those butterflies, okay? <laughs> the, beautiful, the beautiful butterflies. I mean, the way that they just are in flight. You know, and when they got to their uh, destination, let's see if I can pronounce this correctly. My wife helped me with this test. Uh, uh, Michoacan, is that correct, Lloyd? Mexico, oh, close enough. <laughs> there was a forest. <laughs> There's a forest that they land on. And all, it said it's such a majestic scene. All the floor of that forest is like a sea of gentle flapping orange and black wings. And then when they all get up, it's like the sky is filled with these beautiful, beautiful butterflies. What are they doing? They're fulfilling God's purpose. They're fulfilling God's purpose. Do you know, when you praise God, 
When you praise God uh, and, and lift your hearts to him, you're fulfilling your purpose. That is your purpose, to live for the praise of his glory. Now, it is a, uh, uh, to live for his praise, we're to do it inspired by the Spirit. Inspired by the Spirit of God. What does verse 18 says? It says this. Do not get drunk on wine like I used to. Do not get drunk on wine, but be f- why? Because that's debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. See, you have a contrast here. You got being drunk with wine, or you got being filled with the Spirit. You see, God wants us to be filled, to be controlled, to be under the influence of the Spirit, not under the influence of alcohol, okay? Uh, Here's the thing. He says alcohol, he said don't be drunk with wine. Alcohol deadens your senses to the world around you. The Spirit of God enlivened your senses to be awake to God around you. Be fully alive. Be fully alive. The Spirit leads us to praise Him for His blessings. You know, alcoholism was a problem even in Bible times, especially then. Uh, Peter, I mentioned Peter, 1 Peter uh, 4, continuing on in that chapter, he says this. He talks about your old lifestyle and your new lifestyle. He said this, 1 Peter 4, 3, you used to spend time in the past doing what pagans do, living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, detestable idolatry. That's the kind of lifestyle the Christians were coming out of. But, He says to put on the new self. And then he says it this way. He says in verse 6 of 1 Peter 4, be clear-minded and self-controlled. Don't live in debauchery. What does the word debauchery mean? Debauchery. He says drunkenness leads to debauchery. In the New American Standard translation says dissipation. Dissipation means to be scattered. It means to be scattered and falling apart. Not holding it together, but falling apart. You see, when uh, dissipation causes you to be weak and lack self-control, it's the opposite of the fruit of the Spirit, which is, what is it? Self-control. The fruit of the Spirit is self-control, holding it together. The Dissipation causes a person to become weak through lack of self-control. The Spirit of God causes a person to be strong in the Lord through a heart of joy. Strong through a heart of joy. What did Nehemiah 8.10 say? The joy of the Lord is our? Amen. It's our strength. The joy of the Lord, walking in his presence, walking in his joy. First, uh, Psalm 16, verse 11. In his presence is the fullness of joy. When you pray, when you give praise to God, with a, inspired by the Spirit, it lifts your heart to God to be filled with his Spirit. He wants you to be filled. What does the word filled mean? It says, be, don't be drunk with wine, be filled with the Spirit. The word filled means to be complete, to be fulfilled, to be fulfilled to, and, and to be complete. In other words, 
to have a heart of praise in the living in the fullness of life. Stephen, the first Christian martyr, was filled with the Spirit when they stoned him to death, and he was praying for those who were killing him. Uh, the days of Pentecost, the, the Christians on the day of Pentecost were filled with the Spirit when the, the Holy Spirit came down with tongues of fire and they spoke with the tongues of, uh, of foreign languages. Elizabeth was filled with the Spirit when Mary came to her and told her she was going to give birth to Jesus. What happened? The baby and Elizabeth, she was expecting to, leaped in a womb. <laughs> you remember that? Filled with the Spirit. God wants us to be filled with the Spirit of God. Full and complete. Full and complete. Praising God with a heart filled, uh, filled with His Spirit is proof that He lives in you. And that you have the fullness of life. Live in the fullness of life. Not only to have a heart of praise that's inspired by the Spirit, but, verse 18, verse 20, always giving thanks. Always giving thanks. Look at verse 20. Always give thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Mm. We're always to give thanks. That's to be a permanent attitude, an attitude of gratitude, right? Now, we are in Thanksgiving season. And uh, thank God for that. And I want to thank, by the way, Joyce for the beautiful way she has decorated our sanctuary uh, 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 for this sanctuary. Isn't that great? Thank you uh, for Joyce for doing that. You know, Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving reminds us that we're to be thankful. That it's supposed to be a habit. The Bible says make it a habit. Always give thanks for everything. That's what it says right there. Make it a habit. Wake up in the morning and start thanking God. You know, just start thanking Him. I don't know. I thank Him for a good sleep. That's what I thank Him. You know, just start. And throughout the day, just think of things. It doesn't have to be big things. It could be little things. But thank Him always and for everything. Give thanks. Here's what happens. When you thank God, you are opening your heart. This is an act of faith. You're opening your heart. And when your heart is open, God can fill you. So thanksgiving and being filled with the Spirit go hand in hand. Continually give Him thanks. Give thanks to God and be filled with His Spirit. You know? And when you're thanking God, what you're saying is, God, I know you're involved in this. Like, like we're saying, you know, nothing happens without God's permission. And God is a giver of all good and perfect things. I'm going to say that again. Nothing happens without God's permission, because he's omnipotent, all-powerful. And God is a giver, James 1, 16 and 17, of all good and perfect things. Now you say, how can I give him thanks when I'm grieving? How can I give him thanks in the depth of my grief? Well... You can thank him for his love. Thank him that he'll never leave you. Thank him for the love of the people around you. There's always something you can thank God for. Don't forget, Paul was writing this letter from a prison cell. Huh? Isn't it interesting? The, his most joyous letters came from, the, from a prison cell. This is one of what's called his prison epistles. Epistles a letter. 
Paul was, you know, like, like he wrote to the Philippians, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. He wrote that in a prison cell. Uh, Paul and Silas were thrown in prison one time in Philippi. For what? They cast out a demon of a servant girl who was a fortune teller. And, and she made all these fortunes, uh, told these fortunes, she was making a fortune for her master, right? So when they cast out the demon, no more fortune, no more fortune telling. The master lost his income. He got mad. They threw, out, they threw some false accusations upon Paul and Silas and threw him in prison. And so they put him in stocks. They put their feet in stocks. Stocks, not socks. Okay, this was not a hotel room at the Holiday Inn. This was a difficult situation. But here you are, midnight, prison cell, Philippi. What do they do? They do just what he's telling us to do right here. The Bible says it. The Bible says it, and it says it in Acts. Acts chapter 16, verse 25, it says, they began praying. They began singing, singing songs. They began praising God, and everybody was listening. They were praising God in the worst of times. It doesn't matter. Always in, for everything, give thanks. There's always something to thank God for. 2013, there was a, in Nigeria, there was a Baptist church <coughs> on a, a line <clears throat> a line where uh, kind of a border, and the, the north of that line was Muslims, the south of that line was Christians. And uh, there were some extremist Muslims that decided to burn down the Christian building. And they not only burned down the building, they burned down the houses of the people in the church. Sunday after that, the pastor by the name of Sunday. Gamna, Sunday Gamna, that's his name, they, he came back to the church and they met in a, a mud-walled community center right next to their barren-down church. And he gave a message of gratefulness, thankfulness. And he said, you know what? I am grateful. I'm grateful for three things. I'm grateful that none of my people killed anyone. What? He was proud that his congregation uh, kept their Christian virtue and they didn't go trying to kill some of the Muslims. Number two, he said, secondly, I'm grateful. I'm grateful that our ch my church did not get burned. And they said, what? <laughs> they looked at him. He said, inasmuch as none of the members were killed. My, our church did not get burned. You get the point? The church is the people. And then thirdly, he said, I'm grateful. I'm grateful that my house was burned down too. Why? He said, because if your house was burned down and mine wasn't, I wouldn't know how to serve you. You say, I understand what you're experiencing, and I can be a better pastor to you. Because my house, my possessions, my belongings were burned down too. So I'm thankful. You see, there's always something to give God thanks for. Always and for everything give thanks. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, to God the Father. That's what he wants us to do. And you can do it.
with a heart that's fully alive with praise. Be fully alive, not halfway alive. For the Lord, Jesus Christ died for your sins and he rose again to give you new life. That you can have the fullness of life in him. Like those butterflies that put off the old life and put from a caterpillar to a larva and got reborn to new life. God wants you to live a new life and to live in the fullness of life. Be fully alive. Be fully alive with a heart of wisdom. Looking at God who says, what? Eyes on me. Eyes on me. Be fully alive. Just like Josiah who cleansed the temple. He set his heart to do God's will. And God put things in place for him to discover. He's going to do the same for you. If you just put, uh, set your heart, set your mind to obey his will, to follow his will, to understand his will. And then second... Be fully alive with a heart of praise. Just like Paul and Silas. Just like the pastor in Nigeria. There's always something to thank God for in his presence. Will you commit to do that? Will you commit to live fully alive, fully awake, fully alert? In God's presence, in his joy. In his presence is fullness of joy. Let's pray. Father, Lord, we thank you, Lord, in this Thanksgiving season that you've told us to be thankful in all things, always and for everything give thanks. Thank you, Lord, that Jesus came and died again and rose again, that we could have new life and be fully alive to you, Lord, fully alive to your leading, fully alive to your light, fully alive to your love. Lord, if there's anyone here this morning that hasn't yet made that discovery, let this be the day. Lord, let this be the day that they understand your love and just open their eyes to see you and put faith in Jesus, because it's through Christ that we know you, Heavenly Father. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.